guest speakers coming in just a moment. Uh, if you have not yet signed up for a life group, do so. I want to tell you real quick how it's going to work. Uh, I had the wonderful privilege of writing, uh, they call it co-authoring. I actually wrote the foreword to that book that, that's out there. I encourage you to get that book. It is a tremendous book. I'm writing the study guide for the life groups. Uh, not right now, but I'm in the process of it. I'm a, probably a third of the way through that. But we've already written the layout, so your, you facilitators will have all of that uh, right away for your meet and greet and all of that stuff. But I'm going to select one of those chapters. There's 10 chapters. There's actually 13, but uh, there's 10 of them that deal with the storms of life. And matter of fact, next week I'm going to be preaching a message about the storm is coming. And so you need to be here for that. But uh, I will preach the message on Sunday morning on whatever chapter we're dealing with. And uh, then your facilitator will take you deeper that week uh, in, the, in the small group study. They'll, um, so you need to hear the message on Sunday. So it'll be different from the life group. So you'll hear that. Then you'll come to life group. You'll have already read the chapter that it deals with, and then you'll have the discussion among the group, and it's going to be an incredible time. And here's what you need to know. And you and I live on the East Coast. We know storms are coming. That's just how it is. It, the Carolinas could tell you. Matter of fact, that's something else you need to think about. We're loading out a truck. We're hoping to, uh, to fill up a box truck, a Penske truck, leaving here sometime this coming week after Wednesday. So if you're bringing something to put in that truck, it needs to be here by Wednesday so that we can send those uh, relief supplies to the Carolinas. But if you were to ask them about storms, they could tell you of a recent storm, Florence, that devastated the place. Storms are coming in your lives, there's no doubt. Here's the key. You can make it through any storm if you're on the right foundation. And that's what Unshakable is about. Amen? You can make it through any storm if you're on the right foundation. So enough about that. Had a wonderful privilege to have uh, Max and uh, Rebecca with us this weekend, and I was at South Georgia camp meeting in June, and we had a wonderful camp meeting, one of the best we've had, and as he was buzzing around doing his duties that he does, he, he's the communications director, as well as uh, a number of other hats uh, that, that our state overseer has him doing, and uh, the Lord just impressed me to have him come to the harbor. And uh, those invitations are not just laying on every corner, to be honest with you. And I just went to him right after service, and I said, hey, I feel led to have you come to the harbor. He said, what weekend you want me to come? And so we immediately worked that out. They got here last night, and uh, it was just a wonderful opportunity to have them. Uh, he served in ministry, uh, well, a few places, but it was only just a few years ago, three years now that your pastor was killed in a tragic accident. And uh, so... But God has somehow brought him up out of Florida, well, actually from the north, you know, up around the New Jersey area, Pennsylvania and all of that, down into Florida, and he got to South Georgia as quick as he could. Amen. So anyway, come on, Max, and uh, just bless us this morning. Feel free to obey the Lord and just whatever he wants you to do. And Rebecca, we're so delighted to have you. We enjoyed our meal together last night. God bless you. God bless you guys. Smile at me a little bit now. Come on. Got me scared. You guys slept a little bit more than the first group, so I expect you guys to be a little bit more lively. And that's a challenge because the 9 o'clock service was live. I, I am not a morning person. I'm not. So I was like, they woke me up. They, they prepared me. But I, I'm excited to be able to we, be with you guys. Uh, 
with Pastor Mike and, and Kelly. They have been a blessing to our lives. This service is a little bit more special than the 9 o'clock service. And if you were here in the 9 o'clock, I'm sorry, you'll forgive me. We're Christians. we got to forgive each other. But it's a little bit more special for me because my wife, Rebecca, and my baby girl, Elena, are here. My baby is like me, not a morning person, so she slept in through the 9 o'clock service. But they're here this morning, and, and I'm grateful to be able to have them with me. They don't get to travel too often um, with me. But as quickly, I just want to really just get into the Word and just share what God has placed in my heart for us this morning. Um, if you have your, your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, if you're still not fully saved and you have an Android, you can turn that on too. We'll do a special altar call for that one. But if you can open it up to Philippians 4, 10 through 13, and I will have it up on the screen as well if you don't have it. But today I just want to talk to you. They told me you guys usually go till about 5 o'clock. I won't be that long. We'll only go till 3. We'll only go till 3. But I just want to share in a little bit of time that we have together under the, the title, The Secret of Contentment. The Secret of Contentment. We read the word in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Father, I thank you for allowing us another day in your house to be able to come together as a body, as a family, to worship and glorify your name. Now I pray as we get ready to, to hear your living word, Father God, that you open up our hearts, you open up our ears to be able to receive the word that you have for us and that we don't leave here the same way that we came in, but we leave convicted by your word, Father God, that will transform us to live closer to you each and every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. We live in a time where most people, I believe, are not satisfied or content where they find themselves in their life. And it would be easy for us to say, how, Max, can I be satisfied? How can I be content when my life isn't going the way that I want it to go? When the things that I've planned are not going the way that I planned them to go, how is it that I'm supposed to be satisfied or content? But when we begin to look at people, even those people that have been successful in their life, where they've been able to achieve things, and it seems like everything has lined up for them in their lives, we can begin to see that many people still are not satisfied still are not content, and they find themselves running after more, desiring more. If we begin to look at the business world, we begin to see how hard they work to breed inside each and every one of us that feeling of discontentment. That feeling and desire of wanting more. And they do that so that you and I, as consumers, we can go out and buy everything that they throw in our faces. They tell us that what they're selling us is, is new and improved. And inside of us, we begin to feel that what now we have is no longer good enough. That we are somehow back in the time. And now we need to go out and run and grab it, even if we don't need it, just to feel satisfied and to feel content. This happens in our life every year. 
2018 is not even finished, and I guarantee you, you can go into a dealership and already buy the 2019. I went to the, bar, uh, to the dealership the other day not to buy a car. I ain't got money for that right now. If the Lord touches you, I'll, I'll receive it. And I will be content. <laughs> but I went to the dealership to take my uh, 2012 Nissan to get an oil change. And while I was waiting there, I said, you know what? Let me just walk around. I know I can't get none, but let me just walk around and lay hands in my faith and let's see. But I began to walk around and look, and I quickly was encouraged. I was quickly blessed. Not because I was going to leave that place with a new car, but because I quickly realized that my 2012 Altima looked pretty similar to the 2018 Altima. So I knew I wasn't going to get a new car, but I left blessed because I said, hey, my, my car still looks new. And we see how so many people, just because of the year change on it, they'll run out. There's nothing wrong with their car. They just got the one for 2018. But they want to run out because of that feeling of discontentment. And all they did was change. The, 18, the 2018, the lights were red. Now the 2019, the lights are blue. Listen, if you got that much money to just throw out there, I change the color for you. I do that job for you. Come on. For you, it may not be a car. For me, I'm still struggling. I thought I was healed and delivered from a situation that I had about two, three years ago. But now that the iPhone 10 came out, I realize I'm still dealing with it. I got married three years ago. My baby girl is, is two. And I realized when I got married, my money was no longer mine. And now that I have a baby girl, now I really don't count no matter. I can't. But for me, it was a struggle because every year a new phone came out and I would be one of those guys that would wait in line for hours just to get that phone. And again, nothing really changed. It was just that feeling of my thing no longer works or I, I don't have the very best because I don't have the new thing. And I believe that people will never be satisfied or content when they are being driven by the mentality that this world tries to sell us and wants us to walk and live by. When we're being dictated by our circumstances and our surroundings and we're not being guided by what we should, truly should be rooted on, which is Jesus Christ in our life. When we look at the dictionary and we look at the definition of contentment, it says that it's a state of happiness and satisfaction. When we look at it from a biblical perspective, the biblical definition for contentment is an internal satisfaction that is not anchored in, in, our, in our consequences, in our circumstances, but it's anchored in our confidence in God that then results in joyfulness in our lives no matter what we're going through. It's a complete satisfaction in God that then begins to produce joy that cannot be shaken, a joy that cannot be moved no matter what we found ourselves in. And Paul was able to understand this in his life. He was able to grab a hold of the secret and this truth, but it was something that he needed to come and learn and understand. We have to understand that contentment is a learned state in our life. Paul is, is writing this letter to the church of the Philippians. And as he's writing this letter, Paul finds himself in prison and he's locked up because of false accusations that were placed upon him and there's a possible execution and in the midst of writing this letter and finding himself in that place he tells us how we can find contentment and it's tied up into this letter of gratification he's happy because the church of the Philippians had sent him over an offering 
And he wanted to show them that he was thankful for it, but at the same time, he didn't want them to think that he was not content and satisfied and that Christ was not enough before that offering had arrived to him. So in the midst of this letter, he shows us how we are able to find contentment. He wants to express to, the, to them that he was thankful, but that Christ was always enough. Even though he had difficult situations and he had found himself in afflictions, Christ satisfied every one of his needs. Paul had gone through situations in his life that taught him how to be content. Notice that Paul tells us twice that he learned to be content in all conditions. It wasn't something that came naturally to him. It was something that I believe it wasn't an instant trans, uh, transformation in his life, but it was a process. It's a process that Paul learned and that you and I learn as we begin to walk our life closer in our daily walk with the Lord. And the key to this process is to understand that everything, it doesn't matter how big it is, it doesn't matter how small or minor it is, everything is under God's sovereignty. And that God is able to use all of our circumstances to train us in godliness if we live submitted to him and we trust in him. Because contentment is not going to happen naturally in your life. Like I said, Paul said it twice as if he knew if he only said it once, we weren't going to get it. He said it in verse 11, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Says it again in verse 12, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. I don't want you to take offense, but the reality of what comes natural to you and, and to me I can talk about my life because I, I know myself. I've been living with myself for 32 years. But what comes natural to you and I is to compare ourselves to one another. What comes natural to you and I is to interpret someone else's good fortune as if it's coming at our expense. And we don't have to teach these things. These things naturally happen. When I was going to become a father, I started to worry a lot because this thing doesn't come with a manual or with instructions. So I didn't know what I was going to get into. So my mom owns a childcare center back in Pennsylvania. And one of the times that I was back home, I began to see how my mom dealt with the kids. And my mom did something at the daycare that she also did with us. And I didn't like it at all. I don't know where she got it from because I know they don't act that way in Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, where my family's from. So that was something that she learned along the way. I don't know where, but I didn't like it. And what she did was, on our birthdays, whoever it was their birthday, she would give them a gift, but then my brothers would also get something from, like, the dollar store. It's my birthday. It's my day. Can I, can I have it? So she began to do that with, with the kids as well. When it was their birthday, she'll buy them something a little bit more expensive, and then she'll buy something else real small for everyone else in, in the daycare. And one thing that I began to notice in these children that are, that are innocent is that you could give the gift to the, the person that had the birthday. You should always give theirs first. And it was something that was more expensive. It was something of value. And, and she would place it in their hands and she would place it in our hands when it was our birthday. And, and it was the greatest thing that you could receive. They were happy. They were joyful. But the moment that she began to give the dollar toy to everyone else. 
the birthday boy or girl would quickly throw away their gift of value and quickly want what the other kid wanted. Nobody taught them them. They just naturally began to do that. And now what do we do as parents when our children do that or when we see children? We begin to say, no, that's not how it works. This is yours if they want to share. And we have to begin to teach them to be content with what they have. And us as adults, we go through the same thing and we act the same way even though we don't realize it sometimes. I remember when I was uh, a few years back in, in, in Florida, I was the associate pastor there at a church. And we had this guy that, that came to church and, and the Lord began to work in, in his life and he quickly gave his life to Christ. And, and he came to us one day and he said, he said hey, Pastor Max, I, I want you to pray for me because I don't have a job and, and, and I need God to provide. And I said, you know what, let's, let's pray, let's believe that he can answer. And a few weeks passed by, he came back to church, he was excited. He said, Pastor Max, I, I got the job. I was like, great. He said, I, I have another need. I said, okay. I got the job, but I, I need God to provide a car because, you know, I don't want to have to rely on others. I said, listen, if God answered that prayer, he can answer this one. Let's begin to pray. And, and we began to pray and we began to believe with him. And a few weeks passed and, and he came back to the, uh, that Sunday. And before church started, he said, Pastor Max, guess what? I'm like, what? I got the car. I said, man, God is, is good. I know that, that that was working in him and, and his faith was growing. I said, you know what? After service, let's make sure to just go out there. I just want to pray over the car and pray over you that, that God keeps it. And for me, it wasn't really trying to be spiritual. I thought he just got a car that was going to get him to A to B. To, to B. <laughs> so my prayer was going to be like, Lord, let this last as long as possible. <laughs> service. Ends and we go out there, he finds me, and we go out, okay, let's go pray for the car. We begin to walk, and, and as we get to, to, to a car that he's walking to, it's a brand new car. I'm like, Lord, you are good. <laughs> and, and, and I look at it, and, and, and we begin to pray over it. And, and for me, he just got this job. In my mind, as I'm going back, I'm happy for him. I'm, I, I, I'm like, man, God, you are, you are good, but you got him a new car. Is he going to be able to take care of that? I was happy for him, but then I had to walk back to my 2012 Altima. <laughs> so as I'm walking back to my car, I'm like, Lord Jesus, you're good. Thank you for blessing him. But God, don't forget about me. And, and, and that, that came out and, and naturally came out. And it wasn't, Lord, take his car. Stop blessing that person and give it to me. No, it didn't come from, from, from a place of malice or, 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 or a, a bad desire. It's just naturally we begin to think about ourselves. We naturally come back and think about ourselves. And it's something, again, that we need to work and say, Lord, Lord, allow me to be content with what you've given me and what you've done for me. I believe that as Paul grew in his relationship with Christ and the closer that he got with, to him, the more Paul moved from a state of not being content to a state of knowing contentment in his life. Philippians 1, 12 through 14 gives us a perfect example of Paul living in contentment in the midst of pain in a bad circumstance. It tells us, now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. 
And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul was living in a state that no matter where he found himself or what was surrounding him, he was content in knowing that Christ was keeping him and he was working through him right there where he found himself. Paul is suffering. Paul is going through it, and yet he is rejoicing because the name of Jesus is being glorified, and he is being exalted despite his circumstances. And even more than that, his circumstance of pain, his circumstance of suffering, of discomfort, is what God is using to bring glory to his name. Church, we got to understand that instead of trying to run from our struggles, instead of trying to run from our pain, if we begin to focus on Christ and understand that he is enough for us, we will begin to see how God is able to use those areas of discomfort, those areas of struggle, of pain to teach us something in the midst of where he finds us, ourselves. And not only that, but to also be an open door to somebody that needs to see and know Jesus through what you're going through. But so many times we focus on ourselves and we, we get tired of the discomfort because of where we find ourselves in. That we can't see what God wants to do with us and through us. When I first moved to Florida from Pennsylvania, I was at a place of being in Pennsylvania of saying, God, I know you called me to ministry and I know you want to do something, but I just don't see it happening here. What, what's going on? And, 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 and as I began to pray and seek God and saying, God, I desire to live out and walk out the call that you have for me. I received a, a call from the pastor that you guys heard of that passed away three years ago and, 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 and has been the biggest mentor in my life, and, and he called me and he said, Max, I'm moving to a larger church and, and I'm able to hire an assistant. I, I want you to come and serve with me so we can start this Paul and Timothy type of relationship. He said, but it's a part-time job, so you're going to have to get another job. And I said, listen, that's fine. It's an answer to the prayer that I've been praying. And, and I get out to Florida and I begin to serve in the church. And, and, I, and I get this part-time with a family that, that had two boys with, with autism. And I begin to serve and work with the family, begin to serve and, and work at the church, and, and I'm excited. But as time went on, 20 hours at, the, at, at the working with the family turned to 30, turned to 40, turned to 50, 60 hours. Where I no longer really had the time to serve at the church where I thought that's where I needed to be because God had a ministry. He gave me a word. He gave me a plan. And that's where I need to be, be to be able to see that come to pass. And I began to get frustrated. I began to say, God, did, did I move off of my own emotion? Was it the pizza that I ate before I started praying that day? What's going on? Because you couldn't have brought me to be stuck in this job doing 50, 60 hours when you called me to do ministry, when you called me to do other things, and I thought you brought me to this church. And I began to go to, 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 to Pastor Josh, who at the time again became a, a, a big brother to me, that type of relationship. And, and, and I went to him and I, and I said, Josh, listen, I'm frustrated. I don't know if I, if I moved off of my own emotions. I, God couldn't have brought me for this. He said, Max, have you truly gone and seeked not what you want, but what God has for you? Have you ever gone to someone, I hope you don't do it here with Pastor, but I, I did it with Pastor. Have you gone to someone to, to kind of vent to and they give you the truth when you really don't want to hear the truth, you just want to vent to them? 
that was one of those moments. He said, Max, just, just go back, pray, and, and don't ask, you know, for anything of what's going on and stuff. Just ask God to reveal his will and plan in your life. Frustrated, I went and, 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 I, and I did it. And, and as I began to pray, God, all right, show me what you want to show me. I don't get how this works and aligns with what you have for me, but show it. And I just began to kind of just do that simple prayer every time I, I, I went to work. And, 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 and when I went to work, and in a span of about six months, the family was already had a lot of pressure on them because they had two boys with, with autism that needed support and will need support the rest of their lives. And in the span of this six months, the father was diagnosed with cancer on his throat. Within the six months, the mother of the boys had to have a back surgery as well that laid her at bed rest for some time. And right after that, the father, grandfather passes away. And all of this is happening back to back. And the family is starting to feel the weights. And up until this moment, I didn't really have an opportunity to share the gospel and to, and to speak with them. But as all of this is going on and happening to them, and them then knowing that I was in church and, 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 and serving in church, guess who you think they began to speak to about their situations and their storms and their struggles at that time? began to open up, Max, why, why would God allow this? Max, can, can you pray for us? I don't know if you're doing it already, but can you pray for us? And, and God began to open up that door to begin to minister to them to the point where the father of the boy said, Max, we really don't know no ministers. Can you, and, and, uh, can you do the ceremony at my father's funeral? At that point, I'm like, Lord Jesus, what are you doing? I had never done a funeral at that time, and one thing I've learned as a minister, there's two things you cannot mess up, and that's a wedding and a funeral. You don't get those two things back. You can't mess those up. So I quickly went to Pastor Josh, and I said, Pastor Josh, I told him everything was going on. I said, listen, I can't do this funeral. I've never done that before. Give me one of your sermons so I don't mess this thing up. And he looked at me with a, with a smirk on his face, and he said, Max, didn't you want ministry? Didn't you want God to begin to develop and grow the word that he had deposited in your life and what he said he was going to do in your life? I quickly, again, one of those conversations where you don't want to put my head down and say, yeah. He said that that's where God wants to do it. Go back, prepare yourself, but before you go do the funeral, bring it back to me so I can read over it and make sure everything is good. It's wisdom. <laughs> I didn't realize what God wanted to do with that situation and that that's what God wanted to use to be able to bring to life that word that he had deposited in me, that purpose and plan that he had deposited in me. But I couldn't see it because I was so focused on my discomfort. I was so focused on what I was going through to be able to see what God wanted to do in the midst of my circumstance. It wasn't until I relied on God and said, God, if you have me here, there must be a purpose and a plan. And I'm going to be content in that, that God was able to reveal and open up what he wanted to do in my life. How can we ever know God as healer if we never go through sickness? How can we ever know God as provider if we never go through need? So God doesn't bring situations into our life, but he allows us to go through some things so that his word and who he is can be revealed by what we go through. 
And many times, again, we run from these situations. And as believers, we have to learn to embrace those moments and say, God, if you have allowed me to go through this thing, then you're going to be more than enough for me. In the midst of the circumstance, in the midst of the pain. When we begin to take that mentality, we will be see, able to see that God is sufficient and more than enough. Paul learned how to be content in the good times and in the bad times. Because God was always enough for him. And I know, I know that that's easier said than done. And it's hard to find contentment in difficult times. It's hard to feel satisfied, to feel confident, and to truly feel a joy in our life when others are ridiculing us because of where we find ourselves. It's hard to find contentment when we're falsely being accused, when the medical result isn't going the way that we wanted it to go. When we've been waiting for a promotion in our job and out of nowhere, someone that got there two months ago passes us and now they get the promotion that we were waiting for for so long. It's hard to find contentment. When a death arrives at our doorstep, it is hard to find satisfaction in the midst of those moments. But that's exactly why Philippians 4.13 is found there. I can do all things through Christ, through him who gives me strength. A verse that is so popular in the world. But many times we use it out of context. We use it to gain so many other things. Oh, I want to win this game, so God, I'm going to be able to do it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to open up this business, and it's going to be successful because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we use it to try to gain things out in the future when in reality the context of this text and what Paul is saying is, you know what, I'm able to withstand the storm that I'm in. I'm able to withstand the trial that I find myself in, not because of what I have, not because I'm good enough, not because I have the strength, because, but in Christ who gives me the strength. In Christ who, in my weakness, he will be made Strong. We got to understand that in our struggle, in our strength, we're not going to, to have what we need to get through it. And if we begin to look at our circumstances, that is going to outweigh us. And it's going to look bigger than the God that we serve. Because we're putting our eyes on what's around us and not who's helping us from above. And I want you to understand that in your own strength, if you keep on trying to deal with the pain, the hurt, the financial burdens in your life, the, the issues in your family, if you keep on trying to carry that burden on your own, I'm, I'm going to guarantee you right now, your strength will not be enough. You won't be able to do it. You're going to find yourself drowning in it. But if you rest in the peace of God that surpasses all of our understanding, you will be able to see that you will be able to have peace in the midst of the storm. And you will be able to see God's word become a reality in your life. And not only that, but you will begin to see how now your life will not only be in God's hands and he'll begin to satisfy those needs and begin to work on your behalf, but you'll begin to see how God will then use your life, your situation, your struggle to begin to speak to other people. 
you'll begin to see God using that. Why? Because as you're going through the same hurt, through the same pain, through the same struggles that this world is going through, while they're going crazy, you're smiling. The enemy hasn't been able to steal your joy, hasn't been able to steal your peace. And what's that going to do? It's going to open up the door for them to come to you and say, listen, I'm dying here. I don't know how to deal with this. And I saw you dealing with the same thing. I saw you handling the same thing, but you were so much different than me. You, you were smiling in the midst of it. You were happy in the midst of it. How were you able to do that? How were you able to withstand and you can stand there and say, listen, I, I couldn't do it. I, I didn't have it in me. I found myself just like you. But I place my weakness in the hand of my Savior, who not only saved me, but then gave me the strength that I needed to be an overcomer in the midst of my circumstance. Listen, I don't know what you came here with today. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what the storm of your life is. And, 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 and I thank God because he knows everything and what he's going to be speaking to you about in the next coming weeks as he speaks about storms. And I believe that through, through the growth tracks and, and, and the small groups and the word that, uh, that pastor is going to be bringing, you are going to be able to continue to grow in preparing yourself for the storms that's to come. Because storms are going to come. Many times uh, people come to Christ thinking that when you are saved, all your storms and, and all your problems are going to go away and everything is peaches and cream. Everything is good. It's not our reality. We're going to come to Christ. But we still have to go back to this world, this broken world. God said he takes us from this world, but he sends us back to it. What I love about it is that he takes us from it. He takes us how we were broken, lost, broken. But he takes us, he fixes us, he deposits his strength, his power through the Holy Spirit. And he says, go back out to those same circumstances. Go back out to those same problems, but you're not going back the same. Because no longer is it you fighting, but it's I who is fighting for you. So as we get ready to leave this place. My prayer is that if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't leave here continuing to fight in your battles alone. There is a God that freely gave his son for you. And he's not waiting for you to get it all together. He's not waiting for you to fix your life because you can't fix it. He wants you to be able to just open up your heart and say, listen, with my mess, with my struggles, with my flaws, God, I give you my life and, and do with it as you please. And you'll begin to see how God will begin to fix things in your life. You no longer will be a slave to your problems, to your circumstances, but you will be able to be an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray that you don't leave this place without knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior. My other prayer is that us as sons and daughters of Christ, of God, that we can hold on to the inheritance that we have. If our God is all-powerful, if he is all-knowing, then we as his son and daughters have access to that, to be able to live our lives through that power in our lives. 
So my prayer is that instead of us leaving this place and complaining and saying, God, get me out of this. God, can, can, can you just, can we get to the end of it already? That our prayer would be, God, I know the door is there. I know that in your perfect timing, I will get out of it. But while I'm here, while I'm going through it, my Lord, allow me to be able to rest in your provision, in your care. Give me that peace that surpasses all of my understanding. And God, allow me to see what you want me to learn in this season. What you want me to get out of this season. Lord, in whose life you want to touch through what I'm going through in this season. I ask you to bow your heads. Father God, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for what you've been speaking into my life, Father God, a word that I hold on to daily. And I pray, Father God, Lord, as you continue to finish out your work here, Father God, at the, at the harbor, Father God, Lord, that we can find ourselves at a place of contentment in you, Father God, of knowing, Father God, Lord, that you are enough for all of our needs, everything that we're going through, Father God. And even though the season right now may seem hard, even though the season right now may seem difficult, Father God, and we may not see a way out, Father, I pray that you refocus our vision. And instead of looking straight ahead at the problem, at the circumstance, at the, at, the, at the issues in our family, at the financial issues that we're going through, instead of being blinded by those things because we're looking straight forward at them and they seem so close to us, that we can lift our eyes up to heaven from where our help comes from. And we can know, Father God, Lord, that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever, Father God, Lord, in the same way that you have been faithful in the past, the same way that you were faithful to save us, you will be faithful to keep us. Allow us, Father God, to be a church that in the midst of the storm, we're able to stand, Father God, on the solid rock that you are. Lord, and that this community can see there is something different about the harbor and that that begins to draw this city, this community, this state to you. I thank you for your word, Father. I pray that it falls on good soil and that we leave this place convicted and changed by your living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Can we give Max a hand clap this morning?